2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. ctmobile.com Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. All engine running. Lift off. We have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard.
0: Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mother ship? This is the Permission Granted
1: Podcast. Here's DA. Welcome inside the PGP, the Permission Granted Podcast. The show about the show, the show within the show, where we go inside, what makes the DA show tick, Monday through Friday, 6 until 10 Eastern time, 3 until 7 Pacific. Also, the PGP is its own podcast if you want it that way. It comes up on the normal DA Show podcast feed. But if you just want, because you listen to us live on the radio, just the PGP that has its own podcast feed as well, just simply search Permission Granted and subscribe there, rate and review. That helps other people find the podcast. Wednesday's show was highlighted by Metaworld World Peace, a.k.a. Ron Artest, joining us on the show in the final hour. And he was phenomenal. He was calm. He was composed. He was grounded. We wanted to talk to him because, of course, all the bad fan behavior littering the NBA postseason, and he was front and center of the malice of the palace where fans started to get unruly in Detroit against his Pacers team. They threw beer at him, and he just said, forget this. I'm going into the stands to exact my own justice. And started punching the lights out of fans in attendance. Now, that got him and Steven Jackson and Jermaine O'Neal significant punishment, and Meta had said that You know, he regrets it all because he had lost endorsement money and he was having such a good season and it totally threw him for a loop and he went into depression. But he also said that he made peace with the guy that he punched in the stands and that they're actually friends now, that he got to talk to him on the phone, understand where the guy was coming from. The guy was an Alcoholics Anonymous, so he was in a tough place in his life and that whole thing kind of bubbled over and Meta was incredibly gracious and compassionate for people that are going through stress and stressful times and he's helping out with with mental health and wellness nowadays uh, with a company of his and he had just a really positive message and that was all pretty shocking because Marazwin you reached out to him yesterday you said it was one of the easiest bookings ever you emailed a company that you had found associated with Meta
2: yes yeah so I went to Meta's obviously his Twitter Make sure he was active. Make sure you know he was. I said, okay, this is his Twitter. This is pretty. This checks out. And he had a link in his Twitter to his company, uh, the Panda's Friend. So I went through there, and I, I've gone through this channel and way to try to track down guests before. And sometimes you luck out. Sometimes you completely strike out and get blown off. Obviously, the hook when you find a company that a player is associated with from a producing standpoint is, hey, we will obviously promote the company and everything else or charity that goes with it. And but I could tell you that in my history of going this route, the track down, I guess never had I gotten an answer within three minutes. That was the most stunning part. And that's why I labeled it an easy booking, because it just was, it was so almost too easy that it made me second guess it was going to be him. Like, that's how mm-hmm. crazy it was.
1: And so he gets right back to you within a couple of minutes. So he's constantly checking his email or. It just happened to be the moment that he was checking his email. But you emailed him early in the morning, I would say, 8 or 9 a.m. Eastern time, and he's on the West Coast, right? So yes. this was bright and early in the morning for him, between 5 and 6 a.m. probably.
2: I, I had emailed him right after your Malice at the Palace take on Tuesday's show. I'm losing track of the days with yep, the more Tuesday Tuesday's show. So I would say it was about 8.45 Eastern, 5.45 a.m. Pacific, I send the email. And it was within 5.48 a.m. Pacific that I got an answer back. What time were you looking to do? And It was like what? Okay, and let's get. And then from there, it was it was dialogue and right, boom. Twenty four hours later, we had him on. It, it was it was insane. And that kind of speaks to how he was on the air, right? Compassionate, uh, you know, normal, you know, one one with the people, and and to treat me as a producer trying to book him in that way, and to be efficient, not looking to waste anybody's time. Let's get right to it. No no confusion, no whatsoever. I think that that really speaks to the character of, of what he has become as a person. And I think that was that's spelled out in the spot.
1: Pretty amazing. And then his spot was pretty amazing. I thought that we were going to get a meta world piece that took some, some glee and beaten the crap out of somebody, a couple of guys in the stands and that he was going to say, yeah, this has gone overboard. These fans, these days, it's gotten worse over the years. They think they could do anything, you know, and, and throw the book at him. I thought we were going to get that. He didn't take any of that bait. I mean, he told no. us that he regrets what he did. It put him into a depression. He ultimately made peace with the guy that he fought. He said that there should be meditation or therapy or both for people that are stressed out and going to games. He said, don't conflate these bad fans with the rest of the fans because the rest of the fans are great. These are just a few bad apples. He separated the guy that ran out to the floor and slapped the backboard as just being kind of a goof. It has nothing nothing bad, no bad intentions. And he just overall wasn't angry, frustrated, take the bait. And he said, these people should just do community service because it'll change their perspective on, on doing good in the community. So every angle that I thought he would take, he did not. So it was... It was very surprising from that standpoint.
2: Yeah, and, and that's what made it interesting, right? Because I definitely assumed he was basically going to take a blowtorch to these fans and remind them basically who's who's boss and this is how you should act and this is you know the trouble you get into when you do this. And he didn't. And it almost in a weird way made it a better interview for me because it really opened my eyes because, let's face it, we've all had to take about how idiotic these fans are And here is the guy who's basically the poster boy for an athlete getting into a fight in this generation with a fan. And he's laying it out for you about the difference in each incident, the difference in each fan, and why we need to think about what's going on in there. Totally took a different route, but I thought it was really eye-opening because this is somebody with true first-hand experience. And as he noted multiple times, lost a lot of money due to fan behavior and his reaction and to lay it all out like that, be able to separate everything—I I really found it eye-opening. You know, basically, with everybody having the same take on what's been going on with fans right now.
1: He's not angry. He's not vindictive. He doesn't—he doesn't have any of that still left in him, seemingly at least from the interview. I mean, he's a pretty cool customer, which is nothing you would ever say about Ron Artest. So, pretty amazing interview. I encourage you to listen back to it. It's available on our podcast feed. The full interview is available in both the best of and the full four-hour show. So now let's talk about Bob's Bar last week because we have not had the full breakdown of Thursday's show. Uh, Overall, here are my big takeaways. Number one, no offense to our engineering department, which is very good at what they do. No offense to the sales team. Uh, Which are very good at what they do no offense to our management, which is very good at what they do if they weren't we wouldn't have a nationally syndicated network and we believe they're doing a pretty good job because they keep promoting our show to better time slots so that we we do think that they have good judgment there but Thursday's show was an eye-opener that we don't really need them. I mean we need them to give us the time slot and we do need them to sell so that we all stay employed. But in terms of executing a remote broadcast, which has always been the domain of, well, it's got to make sense for sales because we've got to pay for an engineer to be out there. The engineer has to be there with the equipment. They've got to test the phone line. They've got to make sure this and that and the other thing. And we've got to get scheduling done. And engineers to be here. And board op has to be there. And all of these other things, all these wheels that are always in motion. We decided to do something. We already had our remote broadcast equipment because that's how we've been broadcasting for the last year plus because of pandemic. We knew how to set it up because we've been doing this. And lo and behold, the show went off without a hitch. And we did it from the backyard of the home you grew up in at a makeshift outdoor bar. I mean,
2: I don't know. I'm just saying we're pretty self-sufficient if we could pull that one off incredible and you're right if we didn't have the equipment to come home with to begin with from our company would have never been able to figure this out but we have in many ways taught ourselves to be our own engineers in pandemic and like any other business or any other job right the landscape has changed and to be able to know with confidence by the way we knew that we could pull off this show and it did and there was absolutely no glitches no problems whatsoever i think it really did open up a big time avenue for us as a show moving forward
1: it is. It does. It totally does. Now, in the future, when we go back to the studios, we will not have remote broadcast stuff anymore. I probably will have a home set up because I went a little bit of the extra mile when we got all this stuff done and I bought some of my own stuff. But you'll end up turning your equipment in. I'm guessing Bogus will turn his equipment in. So we would have to go to engineering and say, okay, well, we need this equipment. But now we know that they have plenty of this equipment and we'll know exactly what we need. And when we always got the, yeah, but you need an engineer there, we can go, no, we don't. We don't. And that's always been part of the problem with doing remote broadcasts. It's, well, the engineer has to go out there to test the line, and the engineer has to be out there to make sure nothing goes wrong, and they got to make sure they have the equipment. And if we can do all of those things, which we did on Thursday, which, as you said, we've become our own engineers over the last year plus, it removes an enormous obstacle. We don't We don't need anybody to be there holding our hand or be the lord of the equipment. We could just do it ourselves, which
2: means
1: that there's a lot of new ground that we can <laughs> cover.
2: Yeah, I mean, we could be doing them from apple orchards outside your house. We could basically be doing it from Pete's boardwalk. We could... We could show up to the bogus house and interview the landscapers and do it right next to where his weeds are getting whacked. There's plenty of avenues to open up. Maybe some real bars we could go to and not the backyard version. There is plenty of that, and I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the next page of the DA show where this Bob's Bar thing could be revolutionary for us. Just like your Facebook live broadcast of the Long Island Flag Football League was revolutionary for that league in doing broadcasts now, the DA show itself could revolutionize itself.
1: So... I really do think that that's true. And it just it becomes a, a two-pronged approach. Number one, management just has to be okay with us taking those types of chances. And in this case, they largely were because we're kind of our own entity. Um, and number two, so if we just said, like, okay, now the next version of this show is we're just going to do it from, like, a Starbucks outside of Bogush's house. <laughs> Who knows what they would say? They're like, ah, oh, no, we can't do that or whatever. But So they have to still green light it, hypothetically. The second part, though, is that I felt very comfortable with doing it this way because you also had a dedicated backup. that If it didn't work out there, we could quickly scurry into your house where you had been doing the show every day. That won't always be the case moving
2: forward. That's true. That's true.
1: Other than that, though... When we're on radio row when we're in boise when we're on a final four week when we've done these remote broadcasts we've always had a dedicated engineer there to watch over everything and make sure we stay on you know stay on the air and the power strip and the equipment and the dial up and the, all of the stuff is taken care of i don't know no offense to those guys but it didn't seem that hard morass
2: no and i really i don't want to take shots but I could tell you whether it was with this show or with other shows I worked on locally in New York. When you go on the road and you do these shows with the engineers, it they always basically put on an enormous song and dance. It doesn't mean their job isn't hard, and it doesn't mean there aren't other issues compared to being working outside of home. But I always shook my head and be like, man, that must be real stressful. At least I'm focused on this. Let's worry about it. And then after pulling off this engineering job, I do have a little bit in the back of my mind of wondering – how much of this was an overanalyzed show from every engineer that I've put on where they've overly freaked out, where there's just no need to freak out, and that we were going to be totally fine on the air?
1: You know, I think it's because for an engineer, their only job is to make sure that you get on the air. And if you don't, if there's any blips or what have you, that's it, there's hell to pay. For us, there's less hell to pay because that's not actually our technical job. So we were kind of—it's you know—it's like Taysom Hill uh, running a wildcat offense or whatever. It's like, yeah, okay, he can run out, split wide, catch a pass, but he doesn't have to be Julio mm-hmm. Jones. Then you can throw a pass, well, it doesn't have to be Drew Brees. He just had to be a little bit of everything. That was kind of we, the pressure was kind of off for us in this.
2: That's true. That's true. So if you think less about it, you're less likely to worry about it and thus make a mistake.
1: Yeah, and also. Uh... This is going to sound terrible, but there is a need to validate your own importance. And so this happens in every company all the time. You, you run into interference to try to get something done because the person that can get it done needs to keep that domain theirs to make sure that they remain employable and vital to the proceeding and keep their job. So when we go out to remotes, if the engineers were like, "Oh my God, anybody could do this. I mean, a monkey could plug this in. This is this is easy. You guys could do this." Well, suddenly it makes them expendable. So they, they you know, they never really wanted to admit that. I mean, <laughs> you you got to make it more co- convoluted than it is.
2: Yeah, and I guess I start to realize too how many engineers are really just in these trips for the free lunch and the free food. So I guess that's also <laughs> part of it.
1: So that was the big takeaway. The second big takeaway was. It could have been a day where nobody showed up. I mean, again, it's just a bar in your backyard. And it's it's not like we had paying customers or some type of marketing push or something. And it was like the perfect amount of people all day long. The bayou bears showed up at six A. M. Your mom and dad were outside at six AM watching the proceedings from the deck and then, you know, you had Foxy show up with the, uh, with the bagpipes. He showed up to play those. You had Upside Down Mike show up. And, you know, then you had a couple of your other friends or family show up. Your sister was there. Ultimately, your sister's fiance showed up. That guy Jerry showed up. <laughs> you know, then it was the guy that was hanging out with the Bayou Bear late. Was his name Zach?
2: No, Anthony Gandy.
1: Anthony showed up. So there there was kind of a consistent, and then, of course, Pete the Body and, and Boga showed up. Then your neighbor showed up. There was a pretty consistent, like, six to nine people throughout the entire day. And it was perfect because if it was twice that, it would have been a little confusing and a little loud and a little tight. If it was less than that, it would have felt like it wasn't juiced enough. But we had just enough people in juice the entire day kind of perfectly.
2: That's a good way to look at it. I do think it was the perfect amount of juice. No pulp.
1: Perfect amount of juice. Now, let me go behind the scenes on my nap.
2: Oh, please.
1: This is the the E! True Hollywood story on my nap. So I had stayed at my cousin's house, who lives about a half hour away from you, because I live on the best day driving in the middle of the night an hour 45 but you can't test that in the in the morning i couldn't um have stayed home and driven to you in the morning so i had to stay closer now i could have stayed at a hotel but because of pandemic i had not seen my cousin and his uh son and daughter and his wife who i really you know we're very close hadn't seen them since two christmases ago since before the pandemic so i hadn't seen them since december 2019 So this was a good opportunity for me to be in the neighborhood and to stay with them. And they always say, anytime you want to stay over, stay over. They got a guest room, et cetera. So uh, I called him up and he was like, absolutely, we'd love to see you. So I I wanted to do that to see them. Now, his children are nine and seven, I think. They had come home. They're at the end of the school year, so they're kind of like in camp mode and gymnastics mode and Everything else mowed. So they were not going to bed early. So I was trying to watch the Knicks and Hawks game that night, but it's kind of like chaos in that house. And then finally, the kids go to bed and I get to talk to my cousin for a little bit and catch up. But I don't end up going to bed until about midnight. Now, at midnight, I'm realizing my alarm clock is going to off, go off real early. And uh, dark 30, probably I think it went off at four something like that before <laughs> 30. And I got to be out the door easily by five, but probably earlier than that to make sure I'm there plenty of time. It's a half hour drive. And I get up and out the door, but I'm working on, you know, four hours sleep, a lot of chaos with the kids. We didn't get to bed <laughs> until very late. You know, I tried to catch most of that Knicks Hawks game. It was just a lot. Then the day before, I'm kind of like fighting traffic through the city. The, the traffic was a, a disaster that afternoon. So I was just kind of exhausted anyway. So I wake up. I end up pulling out of his uh, development. But to get to the highway, Google Maps took me to a point where a street will be built in this new development, but was not built yet. And so oh. I was like, oh, no, it's a relatively new community. So I had to double back the other way, and it, it, it doubled my time to get to you. So now I'm racing, and I'm like, oh, God, this is bad. Got nobody in the car with me, so I can't call you. I can't text you. I just got to, like, make sure that I'm there on time, and I get there at 5.58. I pull <laughs> into your house at 5.58 before 6 a.m. So we're already scrambling. You know, we're trying to – I didn't hear, remember, the, the feed in the first segment. So we're kind of like flying by the seat of our pants right off the bat. Show goes off. It's so much fun. It's awesome. But by 10 a.m., I'm already like, "Ugh, I'm going to need a nap to get to 7 p.m. when I plan to leave because traffic going back to my house through New York City on a Thursday before Memorial Day is going to be a nightmare, especially where you live on Long Island. It's just like one road in, one road out, or (laughs) all roads are packed. So I'm like, I I, I need to make sure I have enough energy to get to 7 and then not fall asleep on the drive home because it's going to be a two-hour, 2.15 ride home. So 10 a.m. comes, and I'm like, okay, decompress time. Let me have a beer. So I crack, crack the beer, and we're just kind of like hanging out, and you and I are touching up some stuff after the show on the computers. 11 a.m. comes, and your dad has had that breakfast, but I had not really eaten anything during the show so he had made all his breakfast, so now I'm starting to eat. So now I get a little bit of a, a sugar rush. Now it's noon. Now the weather is so nice. It's perfect. It's about noon, and now the game is on. We we'd put one of the baseball games on. The right Mets
2: now. had been on. Yeah, the Mets. Oh, yeah, the
1: new. Mets came on. So now it's like, oh, man, this is great. Bayou Bears onto like, his second case of White Claw. You know, Foxy's there. Upside down Mike is there. We're all kind of hanging out. It's a beautiful day. We're in the, we're in the shade watching the game. The Mets are on. I'm like, oh, I'll have another beer. <laughs> Now it's about 1.30 and I'm like, "Uh, I'm in no man's land here because I need to fall asleep now because we've got the bet coming up at 4 a.m. or 4 p.m. But I'm not really tired yet because I got my second wind. So what do I do? So Bogus shows up, right? Or was it Bilotti? No, Bilotti. Bilotti
2: first because he had the bad bag, bagpipe intro.
1: Bilotti first. So Bilotti shows up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to stay up and and wait for these guys to show up. Bilotti shows up. Now it's two. I'm like, oof. Now I'm really, I really made a mistake because I should have taken the nap earlier. And now it's like, okay, well, how much of a nap can I get in here? Half hour, 45 minutes. Again, the bet is on at four and I've already promoted it. Put it on social media, everything. At 2.30, I'm like, I have to lay down. I just have to. I'm not even tired right now, but I have to lay down. So that's when I Irish goodbye. And I didn't tell anybody because I'm like, no, you guys will try to get me to have another beer, have more food. It was at this point in time that your dad had brought out the second lunch. There was the burgers. Remember, there was the cheeseburgers, but there was also the gyro later. So now I'm having my second meal of the day. and I'm like, oh boy, th- this is going to be touch and go too. Because if I eat more, maybe I get more tired, but maybe I get more energized. So I just Irish goodbye so that nobody can say, hey, you got to stick around. I'm bummed because I'm going to miss Bogish's entrance, but I got to go. I go to your sister's house three doors down and uh, I lay in, in the bed and it's so ice cold because the AC is on. It's just like frigid. So it's great lay down and I'm like, I'm going to set my alarm for, I think I set it for like 3.30 and I'm laying down at like 2.45. Okay, I'm going to get 45 minutes in. That's all I need. No joke. I don't know why. Maybe my ringer was turned down, but I didn't wake up until my phone said 4 p.m. <laughs> I had blown through the stop sign and I'm like, Oh my God, it's four. And now I'm like in a house I've never been in, in a bedroom I've never been in trying to go, okay, wait, are we going to throw the the dodgeballs here and dump the clam chowder and have we heated the clam chowder? And now I'm in scramble mode. So I come back to the house and thankfully you guys had kind of had it all lined up, but I don't come walking into the yard until like 4.05. And Cap now texts me, hey, where are you? I see that you've texted me, where are you? Bogus is making fun of me on Twitter, you know, that, that I'm gone, I'm dead, what have you. So I'm like, now it's full-on scramble mode to get the bet in. Now, the bet went off without a hitch. The dodgeballs were great, and we ended up dumping the clam chowder and everything was hysterical. But we didn't end up doing the whole thing probably until 4:15, 4, 4:20, 4, and then ending it at like 4:45. So I had all these grand plans of dodgeball night in Babylon and doing this pregame show. <laughs> No pregame show is right to it, but what ends up happening is it's the best thing that could have ever happened to me because I'm totally refreshed. Dodgeballs, clam chowder, dump, awesome. Then we have the, the gyros for dinner. I get to hang out with you guys uh, and Pete and Bogish up until Ice Cream Man comes at like 7. I don't end up leaving until like 7.30. I don't get home until close to 10, 9.45, which is a tough turnaround, but... Had I tried to do that without an app, I would have been dead. Absolutely uh. dead. So, worked out, but not how I had planned it at all.
2: Yeah, and I'm going to ask bogish about this on side B. So, I mean, you lay out, you give a good behind the scenes there. But all of that being said, I do think there's an element of bad job by you not sucking it up and going to sleep when the sun was shining and you were feeling good. It was almost like you waited for Pete and Bogus to tag in so you could tag out rather than oh. hang with them when they first showed up. How would you realize, How would you answer that?
1: Well, it certainly wasn't my intention because I wanted to see those guys. I was excited. I had not seen either Pete <laughs> or Bogus for 15 months. So I was actually literally like on the edge of my seat, like, eh, I can't wait till these guys come. This is going to be fun. But... <laughs> Yeah, maybe subconsciously I did feel like they could take some of the pressure off me that if I left and those guys came, that there's kind of the, oh, the, hey, what's going on? Oh, Pete's here, get him a burger. And Bogus is here, get him a beer. And so I can kind of slip underneath the the cover of night there like the Colts moving out of Baltimore. Maybe subconsciously. Mm
2: -hmm. Okay. All right. No, that's fair enough. But either way, you being refreshed helped. You ended up hitting me in the wrong side of my situation downstairs on the last dodgeball. And all's well, that ends well. And you ended up not... Doing a full temperature check on clam chowder, which ended up getting a few good laughs, even though it singed me. And I think overall, what you're looking at there is an iconic moment, an iconic day in DA show history. And one of those days where we've talked about in the past, can you tell the history of the DA show without? I think that's one of those days that you cannot tell the history of the DA show without now.
1: I agree. I totally agree. And I I think that this needs to be a tradition where we start off the summer from Bob's bar doing a remote broadcast. And I don't know if you want to open it up to the listeners. I'm not sure Absolutely. how many could actually get there because, you know, there's we got listeners in Boise, you know, not just driving distance, even though it's only like eight hours according to you. But <laughs> we should we should definitely do that because even if there wasn't a bet to pay off, it was a great way to kick off the the summer. And okay, we might not interview your gym teacher and your mom and uh you know buy you bear every year but there's always going to be something funny that we can do at Bob's bar to kick off the summer
2: absolutely and i would absolutely offer that up now of course our company is not going to pay for any of our listeners to come but if no. that is something pay where for us. It, right 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 if that is something where maybe uh a listener wants to come check out New York city or long Island for Memorial day weekend. And we get ahead of it and say, we will be doing the show this day from there. It is something where they could plan a little bit of a vacation and we open it up to listeners. Absolutely. And then maybe those are the characters we get to talk to on their experiences. And we turn it into a fun day started with our show from Bob's bar. I think that would be a great tradition to have to kick off summer.
1: Now, Jim Rome used to do the tour stops where he had huge athletes and newsmakers in the sports world, join him when he would go out on, his remote broadcasts maybe next year we try to get a frank viola who's on the show Uh. live from bob's bar or another long island legend or new york city legend that we could have on the show because wouldn't it be funny if we use bob's bar as like a legitimate interview set for (laughs) some big guests and then They enjoyed a a black cherry white claw and uh, one of your dad's sausage biscuits afterwards?
2: There are definitely plenty of Long Island guests to be had. Absolutely, I think that is the case. And I think that we do have the, uh, the makings of having a great annual tradition that can only grow. Think about making it bigger and better than even the original. That is totally on the table.
1: Upside Down Mike has become such a big part of the show over the last couple of weeks because of his Islanders fandom and because of that original video. But I did get a tweet yesterday, and I, and I, I hesitate to, to give volume to one tweeter because it's just one guy's take. But his take was that basically Upside Down Mike's 15 minutes of fame are over because the first video and, and stuff was really good, but since it's been lacking. And I'm always kind of sensitive to what the listeners think is funny or, or entertaining or whatnot. Do you think Upside Down Mike's steam is running out? Because if the Islanders, we've got at least – It's a 1-1 series, so we have at least three more games to go in this series. If the Islanders happen to win this series, we could have another, what, five games in this series, and then another series after that. Is there a point of diminishing returns with Upside Down Mike's Islanders fandom?
2: So there might be, but I'm going to say no yet with this in mind. Two things. Number one, there is absolutely a finite finish line in sight, and that is when the Islanders are eliminated. That'll be the grand finale of not hearing them anymore. You know that this is not something that's going to be year-round. This is clearly an Islander playoff run thing. Number two, and this is probably the most important thing, I cannot harp on this enough for the listeners. Does anybody understand since Upside Down Mike and this Islander run has started that we have not basically piled on Peter Schwartz and been annoyed by his Islander tweets or even brought him up by giving upside-down Mike his 15 minutes of fame, we have in many ways, at least temporarily, taken away Peter Schwartz's 15 minutes of ridiculous Islanders fame Mm. because he would usually be the guy we roll our eyes at with Islander coverage and Islander tweets and all of that. And really... The Schwartz talk has been few and far between outside of one Pittsburgh radio appearance we played back because this is usually his time to shine, and we do so much Peter Schwartz that Upside Down Mike in many ways has given us a break from that during this Islander run, and I think that's actually the most rewarding part of it.
1: That's a good point because I've even thought about asking you multiple times what Schwartz tweeting during these games, but I'm quickly sidetracked because Who cares? Upside Down Mike is so much more interesting. So we haven't had to go to that well. Has Schwartz been incessantly tweeting?
2: Yes, definitely has been incessantly tweeting. I can give you a quick thumbnail. Outside of that, he was very excited that rain happened on Long Island and it canceled a bunch of this air show so that it became free for people to go to on Monday. So he took his family there. I had that happen. Uh, Costco free samples are back. So he's fired up about that. And then all in all, keeps tweeting about the Islanders. So he's still doing his thing. And his thing is still going to be there when the Islanders get eliminated. But his thing gets more annoying and I think would actually aggravate us to take away from the fun as the Islanders are on a playoff run. So I would rather not give him that attention and give it to an upside-down Mike. And then when the upside-down Mike train dies, when the Islanders die, we go back to whatever Pete's (laughs) tweeting about his son winning lacrosse face-offs or whatnot.
1: So no Canadian Bacon's actually, or I should say, Canadian Bacon taking over for Meat on the bone has actually been a huge win, you think, for us mentally and the listeners.
2: Yes, absolutely. It just breaks it up. It's like like putting a a baseball player that, you know, you're tired of watching strike out on the injured list for a month, and then he comes back and you'll be rewarded again. You'll cheer the home runs or whatnot. We'll be rewarded again with Schwartz stuff, but Canadian bacon, upside down, all of that has helped us take a breath and not have to go down that well during this Islander run.
1: (laughs) So you're out on Friday, a little Legoland, you said?
2: Not Legoland. I am taking. Uh, we are taking my daughter to Sesame Place. Big oh, Elmo cool. fan and all of that. So that's one of those, you know, kid parks. Now that you know, pandemic kind of has winded up from a you know group gathering thing. We think uh, it'd be cool to take her two hour rides, a little north of Philly, and uh, you know, going to walk around, see all the characters, hit some water rides maybe, and have a good good uh, you know parents with their child day.
1: Yeah, Sesame Place was one of the first places that we went, uh, the Amendos went, uh, when I was really young, just me and my brother before my sister was even born. We got pictures with Ernie and Bert, and uh, (laughs) yeah, we had a good time. Grover and everything, so that's a good time. So that's Friday, so that means that we've got Connor in for Canadian Bacon on Friday?
2: That's right. I looked ahead to the schedule, so Connor will be pinch hitting for me, which means... Yeah. I mean, look, we know as many tricks as you want to flip a coin with Connor, but he will have to be the guy that does Canadian bacon. Absolutely. So I'm in danger again. I take a day off during the NHL postseason. Do I get Wally pipped? Let's see what Connor brings to the table for
1: Well, you have kind of streamlined your process with Canadian bacon, and I'm sure that you feel much more comfortable doing it. Do you, are you starting to feel like you're on solid ground now?
2: I do, I do, because even whatever you guys, it, I've mastered the idea of whatever you guys hate and can't stand, you, can't, you still can't help but love, even <laughs> when it comes to the Italian restaurant. I think I've I found a good wavelength in that, that even when it's terrible, the show embraces the terrible, and that makes me feel like I'm on good ground.
1: Yeah, we do embrace the terrible. In fact, the more terrible, sometimes the better for you.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Imagine that backwards world. So that's where we're at.
1: So you're feeling you're feeling spunky and spry when it comes to this this whole Canadian bacon thing.
2: But what can haunt me is Monday, if we get to Monday and Connor is basically throwing a no hitter on <laughs> Friday and then you guys have two days to relive because you you're not I'm not right back out there the next day giving you a Canadian bacon to make you forget. Connor and the rewards of Connor will last for the weekend. I could be in for a rude awakening on Monday, but I'm trying not to think about that. I'm just living in the glory of now.
1: Uh-huh. It's true. Connor ending the week with a big a big uh big day. Yes. That could be yes. tough for
2: you. They're very tough for me. Very, very tough. And
1: is this a stress at all for you doing Canadian bacon no.
2: daily? Actually, no, I, I love it. I, I love it. First of all, you know I'm a ham, so I love any time the attention's on me on the show. So uh, I, I look forward to it because it even helps me – when watching these NHL postseason games, to just, just think of them in a different light. I'm constantly thinking of good puns. I'm, I'm really trying to make sure I have good stats that I can throw in their serious stats. Uh, Canadian Bacon is not, I don't think of that as a stress at all. I look at it as a very rewarding segment that I, I look forward to every single day. I'm excited to break out my pad and type out exactly what I'm going to type out and, and give myself a little script and have some fun with it. I love okay. it. Okay. All right.
1: Very good. Well, Canadian Bacon's been a win recently. And, uh, yeah, one more for you this week, and then Connor takes it over on Friday. So, side B, Bogues. I'm sure you guys want to do even more of a deep dive on the Bob's Bar broadcast.
2: Absolutely, and I want to get his thoughts on your uh, your nap explanation in a second. Yeah,
1: I'd like to know Bogish's You know, and I just I wish I had more time with Bogues. <laughs> uh, you know, I really and, and Bilotti too, but I haven't seen those guys in more than a year. And it's so rare to be able to go out and socialize with them that we had that chance, and then, you know, it's like, well, we got work in the morning, and everybody has to drive, and you can't hang out too late. So it was fun, though. We only had those guys for, what, maybe four hours or so? Three or four hours?
2: Yeah, four hours, I think, was the top number. But it was a good – those were a good value four minutes. That was a deep NBA roster. Bogus gave us good minutes off the bench, as did Bilotti. He really did.
1: Yeah, no, Bilotti was great. Had some good laughs. And I don't know, I mean, how about just seeing Bilotti come right in and then crack his first beer? That was so he was refreshing. Right into it.
2: And he brought some Black Barrel Jameson as well. Yeah, he, he brought it. your dad Jameson Black Bottle Jamo for the bar. That was a good job by Pete. And then uh, Bogie brought in a bunch of hot pretzels from Philly Pretzel Factory. Those guys came ready to play.
1: Yeah, they did. I didn't realize that's what Bogues brought. Nice job by him. When I awoke from my nap, I saw the pretzels, and I thought that maybe Bob's Bar had provided those, but A.B. did.
2: That was all the DA show crew. You brought a s'mores set. You had a you had a grand old time too. Everybody was like uh like go to a beauty pageant. Gifts were just being showered upon the bar. It was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, everybody needed to bring something. I brought uh Nancy a hanging plant based on what you said about Mother's Day gifts, how you always <laughs> get her a hanging plant right. and that that's she's right. really happy. And that's why I, I brought one for the house. And then I got Bob the uh, the s'mores set. So I don't know, I know that's you guys have a been fi- used. Oh, Cool. So you guys had the fire pit, and I thought maybe you could make a few s'mores out of it.
2: That was used yesterday, as a matter of fact. So we've, <laughs> the s'mores have already been made. Nice. Pigs around.
1: Excellent. Well, um, I can't wait to hear uh, to hear Bogues' breakdown here of Bob's Bar Day.
2: Here we go. How to do do It's Side B, the PGP. How are you? It's Sean Merez, host of Side B, executive producer of the DA Show, joined by the bogeyman, Andrew Bogish, Bogish, hello. Hey, Sean, how are you? I'm doing great. I mean, in the by the way, in the midst of D.A. and I just taping side A of the PGP to show you the real time of this happening, the news breaks that Brad Stevens is no longer the head coach of the Boston Celtics, so I'm sure that when we get into the show on Thursday, we'll have plenty of that and having fun with you and, and Kaplan and me and D.A. of our longstanding Brad Stevens storyline and him moving to the front Wait. office—
0: Oh, okay. I was like it sounds like you don't know the other part of the story. No, He's no, no, getting yeah. a promotion.
2: Yeah, no, I. But that's okay. all. That just adds to the the hystericalness of all of this. Absolutely. So, but I don't want to. I don't want to spill anything on the PGP or spoil anything. I do think our first reactions to all of this should take place on the show, where Kaplan can chime in on the G-chat and DA can have his takes as well. We will have a lot of fun with that. Uh, but yeah, Brad Stevens going to the front office, unbelievable. Now. More importantly than the Celtics. We had the show at Bob's Bar. You make your first ever appearance at Bob's Bar. We just talked about, by the way, coming with the pretzels in hand. Power move by you. You brought a bunch of hot pretzels. I thought that was great. You brought some Kona Big Waves. You know, that's a big beer at that bar. We had a great time. DA gave a long explanation in Side A about how he just finally, after only four hours of sleep, needed to nap. I poached poached the question back to him, posed the question back to him did he kind of feel like he was just leaving you and Bilotti's, you know, baton handing to take over entertaining everybody? And should he have been better conscious about napping earlier to be prepared to hang out with you guys longer? Your reaction.
0: Hmm. Well, I don't think – me and Pete don't matter. I mean, my concern in the moment was because no one knew where he was. I don't know how much you stressed that like during oh, your he, conversation, but it wasn't like, stopped. oh, DA's napping. I walked in, I sat down, Pete was already there and had been there – opened up a can of beer, had a pretzel, Almost of a sudden it was like, you know, doors open, people went in and out, the the gate opened in the street, and I went, where's DA? And that seemed to be like, to trigger everyone and go, oh yeah, where's DA? Like, he really did just disappear. So like, there was confusion as to like, where exactly he was, what he was doing, but me and Pete didn't matter. What mattered was, because you know how I'm anal, like, all of a sudden it was like 3.26, and we had told people to pay attention at 3.30, And there was no DA, and we were not set up. There was nothing. So, like, I was just nervous that whatever audience had been lining up on Twitch or wherever was going to bail because what were they going to do for 15, 20 minutes? We found DA, revived him, washed him, clothed him, and then set all the technical stuff up. So that's all I cared about.
2: No, oh, that's, that's a fair point. It was freak out central in the process of that my wife had picked up a dodgeball that had been mailed to my house, which was 10 minutes from Bob's bar. We had had to heat up the soup Yeah, basically he left us with the cans. He took a picture of it disappeared. We did take care of everything. And the show did go off without a hitch, which, which was fascinating. Now the other part of this I needed to ask you about, so you're not annoyed by the nap time. You were fine. We could bury that lead.
0: I mean, I would ask though, like why he only got four hours of sleep the night before.
2: Yeah, he was like, hanging out at his was he cousin's so house. Late? Yeah, he was just hanging at his cousin's house to explain that. He hadn't seen the kids in a while. But, I mean, and, and bogus, this is true. True stories. We're setting up the show. My parents had gotten out there at about 4.30 in the morning. You know, they wanted everything to look right and look nice. It's their house. They know there's going to be cameras on and everything like that. So I showed up at their house at about 5 to make sure I had everything set up. I was you know, kind of trying to engineer it. DA told us, starting Mendo, he showed up literally at 5.58 with us going live at 6. He didn't have his laptop <laughs> set up. Uh, I basically had one microphone. I basically pitched to him, too. I said, do you want to just take my mic and you just start the show? And you know maybe we share the mic and this will just be chaotic. He's so calmly with 90 seconds until airtime is just plugging in his mic like, it was the most calm ritual I'd ever seen from somebody, a radio host. And now he didn't have his laptop set up, so the first segment, if you notice, we shared a camera. It was on separate cameras. Yeah, I noticed. From that point going forward. But other than that, he set up the headphones. We had the everything. And when it was time to say, you know, happy Thursday from Bob's, he was there. The guy had basically been two towns over six minutes earlier, had set up everything. It was unbelievable, Bogus.
0: Yeah, everyone's different. I I could not have handled that. I would have been frazzled. I would have made sure I was there early, not late. So not like nothing could have happened and made that situation unfold. If it did, I would have come barreling in to your backyard, like the lady who knocked the bear off the wall and stunned to a news on Tuesday, and just, like, thrown my stuff down. I would have had no beginning. It would have been a mess. I would have not seamlessly thrown through all the towns and who's listening and what kind of spaceship this is. Like, I would have been (laughs) all over the place. But he's... I don't think I'm telling stories here like there are oftentimes where I'm like his zoom is not on and I'm like at 557 and I'm like where's DA we're about to start so I think <laughs> this is just the way he rolls so it seemed different and weird to us but not to him
2: unbelievable now you were not with us for the show you were back in your home which is also on Long Island not too far away you know far but not not too far away So you got to watch everything and listen to everything unfold and join us and saw all that, and then you obviously showed up and saw the wreckage afterwards of people passed out of the 24 White Claws or not passed out and keep pounding them. What was your favorite part as a listener slash viewer of the first ever Bob's Bar Show?
0: Oh, as a listener, oh, that's tough. It might be... See, we should have done this. I had this thought, too, over the weekend. We should have done a taping, like, on Friday when this is all still fresh in our head right away um, because I don't want to miss something that's kind of faded in almost a week. Sure. But I would I would think your gym coach was, um, was my favorite because he was just so perfect. He had a great memory. He looked like a gym teacher. He sounded like a gym teacher. He tore you to shreds. I mean, he was... He was basically perfect, and, like, that's the way all of the guests should have been, and he was the best guest of the day. He was great.
2: Okay. All right, so I I thought so, too. I agreed. I kind of had it with my mom. My mom's appearance, it was great that she admitted to the fart and everything, but she, her lean back, like, she was basically the queen in Bridgerton. I had enough of when she was on set. I mean, get her off the set. My favorite part, honestly, when the show unraveled in the final hour and basically became a variety show with the Charles Barkley impersonation from a drunk Bayou Bear into really bad bagpipe playing. And that that's the other thing, too. We love Foxy on the show. And Foxy really is learning <laughs> to play the bagpipes. <laughs> But, like, if you – like, we get it, right? Like, he wasn't great on bagpipes. So if you listen to those bagpipes and thought, boy, do these guys think it's great? No, 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 we're in on the bit. We, we get that they weren't great. Aww. perfect and he gets it too. But to have that just kind of chaos back-to-back, it basically felt like America's got talent at Bob's Bar, and I thought that was awesome.
0: Uh, I'm so glad it came up naturally without me asking at the after party uh, about Foxy and those bagpipes. I've, I've heard a lot of them living in New York, being half Irish, being going to the parade. Like, I've, I've heard a lot of bagpipes. And, like, as it's going along, I'm like, okay, these are good bagpipes. But then, like, it didn't end well. Like, there was a weird couple of notes, at least to my ear near the end. Um, like, he didn't know how to put the bagpipes down, so to speak. And then, like, so I'm like... Was that good? Was that bad? Did I miss something? What do I know? How to? And then somebody brought it up at the table. We were eating. I'm like, oh, so that wasn't a great ending, right? And I might have been one of your sisters. Like, no, he's not good. We know that. He knows it. Like, oh, okay. I'm glad that I'm glad that I I heard something and that I didn't have to bring it up. But now I have confirmation that it wasn't uh, an A plus performance. But I mean, it was a B B plus, and I couldn't. I would fail miserably, so kudos to him.
2: <laughs> kudos to him, but I loved the variety show aspect. All right, folks, we got to wrap it up here. That was a, a day to live on, right? Wait, you would definitely, uh, if we ever do a show at Bowes Bar again, you'd show up and do it.
0: Of course, I got to. We, I mean, we really should do it every single year, and maybe next year, you know, enough sway that me and P can actually be there for the show, right. not stuck a- back in our wherever we are at that point. But I got to say, before we move on and wrap up. Um, my favorite part as a listener was your gym coach. My favorite part as a person was hanging out with your mom. I was nervous. We have a deep dark history and when you said that she wasn't going to be there, I was like, "Okay, at least that's one awkward thing that won't happen." Then she showed up and I was nervous. She came over, she broke the ice. I think by the end of the day, I don't I don't want to speak for your mom but I think that we're pretty close friends at this point. In fact, I'm probably going to go back on my own to watch Bravo with your mom and your dad at some point soon. Hey. So um, I think me and your mom becoming tight over one like five- or six-hour hangout session, really, to me, is the headline from from that day.
2: She was a big fan of both you and Pete, and I, and that was part of her reason for getting mad at the Bayou Bish. Bay. She said, quote, he's acting like a, a belligerent jerk, and I'm trying to have a, a, a an intelligent conversation with Bogish. And I thought to myself, over... A reality show about people on a ship so that's really oh, but
0: again she likes schwartz so if she likes me what does yeah. that mean oh, we're back at square one
2: <laughs> all right folks you can follow you on twitter at andrew Bogish. and you can follow me on twitter and instagram at miraz cbs have a great week everyone